It is a podcast as contemplative as a Rod Serling story and as intentional as a Jordan Peele production. It is the middle ground between movies and television, between comedy (laughs) and horror. And it lies between the pit of a man's expectations and the summit of his excitement. This is the dimension of discussion. It is an area which we call Quality Check Podcast. Welcome back, film and television fans, to a new episode of Quality Check Podcast, Twilight Zone Edition. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me in the fifth dimension, Drew Douglas. Hello, I am here to be pardoned. I have also noticed you're wearing a top hat. You normally don't wear any hats, and it's not a fedora, it's a top hat. It's a special night. I'm ready for my pardon. What's going on with the hat? There's something sticking out of it. You didn't see anything. That's that. Nothing happened. Okay, I'll, I'll just take your word for it. Fans out there, if you're joining us for the first time or you're returning, just a heads up, Quality Check normally covers movies, but we're stepping into the fifth dimension to cover the rebooted TV series, streaming on CBS All Access, The Twilight Zone. So, for this episode, we are covering episode four of The Twilight Zone, A Traveler. Heads up, signpost ahead, spoilers. So, let's now jump right into A Traveler. This time of the year... We have a duty to be kind to strangers and visitors. Someone's in here, Captain. Who are you? Have you had any guest check-in? Black suit, not from here. This is a real good guy, everybody. I'm an extreme tourist. Or have any alerts been issued on suspicious individuals in the area? You haven't believed a single word out of my mouth, have you? Now that's the first honest thing you've said all night. I know things. You shut your mouth about this town. He's experiencing a mental breakdown. About you people. Did you see that? (laughs) A traveler tells a story that takes place on Christmas Eve in Iglac, Alaska, where a mysterious traveler wishes to be pardoned by Captain Lane Pendleton. What a what a synopsis from CBS. CBS, yeah, that's it. So a traveler was released on April 18th with a runtime of 51 minutes, written by the one and only Glenn Morgan. You love Glenn Morgan? I'll be I'll be serious. Before we recorded, while we were planning out this episode, I really didn't know a lot about Glenn or the X-Files, which he is so famous for. I'm shocked you haven't watched The X-Files. Not that I have anything against it. I just have never gotten into it. I've seen, like, clips of it, but you're going to slap me once I say this. I've never seen a full episode of The X-Files. I think you would love a lot about it. I think you would become frustrated by a lot about it. Are you that way? Yeah, it's a show Chris Carter did it, and he I don't think he ever knew what he wanted to do with it Hmm. in the end. Because they brought it back. Even when they brought it back twice, the endings are never endings. It's like he doesn't, he's never had a clear ending in mind. He says he does. I don't believe it. So Glenn worked as like the main writer, one of the head writers then for the X-Files? 
Him and James Wong co-wrote episodes together. They started in season one. I believe they were seasons one, two, three, and four. And then they went off to do their own thing. And then Glenn came back and did um, some later episodes, including one in the last season, I believe. Yes. Or the or the first reboot. Okay. Um, so the first reboot, that was the movie? Because I remember the movie. You no, know, they did two movies. And then they brought it back for season 10. That was the okay. limited six season or six season, six episode run. And then they did one more season, which was 10 episodes, I believe. Okay. And that was the last thing they've done. And that was the last one that Jillian uh, Anderson was a part of. She said she's no longer doing it. Oh. So I would say the series at this point is probably dead unless they did a reboot, which you, is possible. Do you think with Glenn and his involvement with the Twilight Zone that that could help rejuvenate the X-Files? Um, no. Okay, interesting. Because I, I don't know if the show exists without Chris Carter. Okay. Even though he is, I think, personally, the biggest problem with it all. So, since I don't know a lot about the show, could they carry it on without Jillian? They could. I, I think if you're going to do it, it would be smart to reboot it. And as much as I love uh, Mulder and Scully, I think you could start fresh. I don't know if audiences would be receptive to hmm. Yeah, and is it just due to the fact that the stories are told like the X-Files is covered? You feel like they've gone over everything and there's no need to really retrace those steps? No, I think the ca- I think you watch for the two leads. I think that's a big attraction. Sure. So if you lose, like Duchovny left it in the later seasons and it was just Scully as oh. the main character. And that's when they brought on uh, Robert Patrick, who played John Doggett. He was actually very good. And the later seasons kind of get a bad rap, but I actually like quite a bit of those episodes, even without uh, Duchovny. Well, I'm a huge Robert Patrick fan, so I'd love to see that. I, he's in the final two seasons, I think, and he's really good. He wasn't part of this revival, though. He was busy. I don't know what he's doing. He's on Scorpion or something for CBS. So, Glenn Morgan, did he have the best? Did he end up writing the best episodes for The X-Files? He has some of the most... He helped with some of the most iconic episodes. In season one, he did Squeeze, which introduced serial killer Eugene Toombs. Um, did he keep reappearing? Toombs appears in two episodes very early on. And then most notably, season four, he co-wrote um, the episode Home with mm. the Peacock family, which is one of the most notorious X-Files episodes. It sounds familiar. It's one of the best ones. And after it aired, it was basically banned from television because of its content. Well, I mean, why? What was the content? It's very dark. But it's, it's, it's one of the most iconic, one of the best <gasps> X-Files episodes of all time. So you would be spoiling it if you said what, like how it is classified as dark. I think if you did it today, you would be fine. But at the time, it was kind of shocking mm. this family and what they were doing. And then he took him and James Wong went to Hollywood to make movies. I guess they were already in Hollywood, but they started, you know, took their hand at movies and did Final Destination 1 and 3. They started that franchise. And that franchise is interesting because it was based on a spec script for the X-Files. Oh, They ended up taking that script and turning it into the film with uh, Devin Sawa that spawned five total movies. And they also did The One. Do you remember The One in 2001 hmm. with Jet Li? It's like a sci-fi martial oh, arts yeah. movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
they did that together. I never saw it, but now it rings a bell. I remember seeing that in theaters and thinking it was pure bullcrap. <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> I, I I was waiting for you to say it was very underrated and it, it did not get the I, credit that it was I due. wonder if I watched it now what I would think. Because <laughs> I remember I went with a buddy and this was, I was in ninth or 10th grade around that time. And I was probably pretty snooty about what I was watching. And I was like, this is stupid. This is awful. And he, he was eating it up. I wonder if I watched it now, if it would be good or bad. So I, have like, a, I have a belief that it would probably still be crap. So like good, bad, maybe, where you could at least relish and it's I'm also I'm not a huge martial arts fan. That's just okay. not a, a style of film that I'm interested in. Even with the sci-fi twist, I just couldn't uh, latch on to that. But I kind of want to rewatch it now because Glenn Morgan is still around, still doing work. And I love that he is a part of the Twilight Zone. So are you a huge Glenn Morgan fan in terms of like his writing overall? Like would you say he's one of your favorite TV show writers? If I see, I saw his name, I believe it was the last episode I read up. I was like, oh, wow, he wrote the fourth episode of the Twilight Zone. And that got me excited because I know he comes up with fun ideas. And there are moments in this latest episode of the Twilight Zone that feel very much like the X-Files. Well, and also not knowing a lot about the X-Files, but whenever I saw the trailer for this, I thought this looks like an X-Files, almost more like an X-Files episode than a Twilight Zone episode. It's it's a mishmash, mash, and the oddball humor in this episode is very X-Files. Yeah. Where they would have some serious subject, but they would inject this weird brand of humor over it. And that's what Morgan does with a traveler. I'm really excited to hear what your thoughts are then overall about it. Now, did you think that it looked like an X-Files episode before you knew Glenn? Or did you know Glenn was attached to this before you saw the trailer? I already knew Morgan was involved. Okay. Because I'm trying to not watch... I really, again, wish I had not seen that first preview. The very first one they released. And I was only doing it, you know, at the end of the episode, they teased the next one. I wish I had only done that. And so, you know, this comes back for season two. I'm not going to watch anything. I'm going to really? try to let it be fresh. Okay. Because we know what it is. We know every week it's going to be something new. Mm -hmm. But I feel like so, even some of the small clips we saw spoiled um, some of the surprises in a few of these episodes so far. Well, and that's – I know we were texting last night, and I was really tempted not to watch the trailer for next week's episode. Did you end up watching it? I did. Okay. We'll get into that because I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. Hype scale on this episode, I told you last one, I felt like replay got back on the right track. And from here on out, these episodes were going to be great. What was your hype scale for a traveler? High? Low? What are we thinking? Honestly, I would end up saying almost peak for these episodes. Mine was pretty near that point, too, because of Morgan and replay, how well I think that turned out, and, and uh, the cast. The cast, yeah. And Which I, I thought this one might be the best because of two actors. The next episode is legit. It, might be the best of the season. It, it seems like at this point it keeps building. And I hope it, that's true and it's what you said. So I hope from this point it just gets only better. So also with the stats behind the scenes, we have Anna Lily Armapour who directed this. You may know her from The Bad Batch. And a girl walks home alone at night. Now, saw did you her, see that? I did. I saw The Bad Batch, which <laughs> oh. I've talked to you about. It was one of the most painful experiences I've ever had at the movies. But I saw her name. 
show up on the credits for this. And I paused it immediately and texted you. I said, do you know who directed this? Uh, yeah, I had no idea until I watched it either. So that excited me too, but that was after, you know, I had already started. Yeah, The Bad Batch, I really hated that. So she, and also I found this out as well. I haven't seen this show yet, but she directed one episode of Castle Rock. Yeah, she did Castle Rock. She did one episode of Legion. Yeah. So she's um, she's doing work. I, I I hear A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is pretty amazing. That's what basically got her name out there. And she did this indie circuit where she's blew up after that. And The Bad Batch, I didn't have a bad movie-going experience, but I was the only one in the theater whenever I watched that. Kind of glad that was the way. But you hated it, right? I, or did yeah, not like it? Was, it? it was an, I was right in the middle. Like, it's not I, good. I didn't love it by any means. And I didn't hate it. But it was really out there. And yeah, and it's re- some, we talked, we were just talking about Sorry to Bother You. And it's a movie that I admire because it's something original mm-hmm. and it has a vision. I just, I couldn't really latch on to that movie. And that was the same with The Bad Batch. Yeah, I agree. I admire it for what it is. It's not my thing. And what it was going for, but it didn't quite live up. Not to enough it. Jason Momoa. Not shirtless. enough Jim Carrey. Yeah, I forgot he's in it. God, yeah. he was wacky in the that. Tooth, he was like the toothless wandering homeless man the beard with the yep. big beard you, you, shaped head i i, I don't yeah. think i recognized him at first i was like wow that looks like jim carrey that is jim carrey i did not realize that until the very end so all right so let's go ahead and segue into the actors for a traveler let's start with the lead here marika silla she plays sergeant yuka mongoyak she is actually credited on IMDb for three projects at this point. And is this number one? Of her most first. recent. So her first, she starred in Nizawak, and then she was also in Lucifer as I quote, Barfing Girl. <laughs> that was her role in Lucifer. You have to start somewhere. <laughs> so it's also of note to say that she is an Inuit. Mm-hmm. And we don't see a lot of indigenous people starring as a lead in a project. So that's exciting that she's been given this chance. And I also found it very interesting that the that aspect really played into this episode of The Twilight Zone. That plays a role for the actual story. So I found that to be very fascinating. Up next, we've got Greg Kinnear. Oh, dreamy. Still looks good. He looks very good. I No joke, I got my hair cut the other day, and while watching this, the first show, I'm like, man, I should have just let it grow out like his hair. He's, he's. I just looked up, 55 years old. He still looks good. He's a handsome man. Yeah. I would have gone to the barber and said, give me the Kinnear. <laughs> just, you know what? I don't have that, but just add some extensions and let's grow. I don't think grow. he can, like, look bad. I don't think so either. He is just so fascinating as an actor. And as soon as he came on screen, it was great. But he plays Captain Lane Pendleton. I have not seen Greg in a while. He's been in a lot of recent TV shows. He was in House of Cards. And he was in a couple of movies uh, recently. Brigsby Bear, did not see that. Same kind of different as me. Also did not see that movie. So the third person that we have up next is Stephen Young. You may know him from The Walking Dead. Stephen plays the Traveler. So I've got some very interesting notes to say about Stephen here. 
You noted in our last podcast that Camille said to Jordan Peele, I want to be in the Twilight Zone. Give me a role. I'll take it. He did not know what he was getting into. Same way with Steven. Jordan approached him and Steven's response was, oh, hell yeah. So is Peele uh, choosing where these actors are, what episodes they're appearing in? How is, is Who's in charge of this overall? That's funny that you say that because the producers, not just Peele, but those like Kinsberg and Marcos who they're working with Peele on this, they have not only scoped out these actors, but they have approached them with roles in mind. And they did that with Steven. So when they knew Steven was on board, they basically said, we know we want you to be in this episode. They wanted it to change based on if he was in and how he would end up changing this character. Because Steven said that whenever he was approached, they gave him kind of this free reign to find this character, to fine tune it, and they allowed him to explore that. And because of Steven, a lot of the character evolution happened because of him stepping into this role. So I found that to be very interesting on this creative standpoint. And I also want to do a merge, Steven and Glenn Morgan. Glenn gave Steven a book to read to prepare for this card called The Art of Seduction. And he wanted him to get Is that the book Donald Trump wrote? Yes. And that was the sequel to his first book, was very successful. And that's... I have two copies of it. That's why, that's why Stephen is dressed up in a pinstripe suit. Uh, for this, the book that uh, Stephen ended up reading, The Art of Seduction, he said it helped him prepare for manipulating people. And that was part of his character and, and how he really dove into this. And he described the character as a little wacky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a few other things I want to know. The crew drew inspiration for, from more realistic alien designs, such as District 9. Heads up, there are aliens in this. There are Ooh, curveball. aliens. In my notes, I just as, as stuff comes to me and I just type it out, at one point I wrote Little Green Men. Whoa. This was early <laughs> on. I had... Every expectation I've had of I had of this episode was basically blown away within the first 10 15 minutes when I realized what was happening. I will definitely touch on that later, but I will say I really dive into that as well with my notes. At the end of this episode, we will talk about inspirations from former Twilight Zone episodes that inspired this one. Uh, the last thing that I have is that The Walking Dead actually helped in the making of this episode. And what I mean by that is that the crew got a mold of Steven's head for the practical effects of this episode. And it is toward the end of A Traveler where you start to see some really wonky things start to happen. And that was actually how The Walking Dead helped, just in terms of the practical effects. So... Let's now jump into our thoughts on A Traveler. Let's start out with A Traveler is fill in the blank. This is where you give a general idea of what you thought. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. I've altered mine just a little bit. I'm changing one word, but here's mine. A Traveler represents the best thing and worst thing about this new version of The Twilight Zone. (laughs) That's really good. I like it i kind of wish i could steal that 
But I'm going with this. A Traveler is a near-perfect Twilight Zone episode. I would like to emphasize near. So this is... You're basically taking the head, the AV head, AV Club headline from Replay, the near classic episode, and you're putting it on a traveler. Almost, yeah. Woo! So it is. Uh, it w- there's a big notation. I agree yeah, with that, but there's a there's a big notation for me. I don't know if it's the same as you. I kind of hope mine's different. Mine will. My I honestly throughout today, my opinion has changed. So as we go. Through these episodes of The Twilight Zone, I have a feeling this episode is really going to bounce around like crazy on my list and where I rank it. Yeah, so we're going to be ranking these later. We do it at the the end of every episode. Each week, are we allowed to shuffle anywhere we want? Because originally we would do, when we did previous rankings, you could only move something up or down. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think with this one, we can fluctuate from week to week. I think we should because this is going to be tough to keep that and just go up and down and I really do, after watching this episode, think this is going to bounce around like crazy. I think three of the four so far will bounce around. Sure. There's oh, only yeah. one that I, I has remained it's consistently at the bottom. And I'm kind of wondering, I complain about the comedian so much now that i kind of forgotten why I don't like it other than it's too long. That means you have to go back and rewatch I it. really think I need to. I'm, I'm being going serious. To. I might have to watch a few of these again before we do our final ranking because I've forgotten what I'm complaining about (laughs) and what I don't like about something. And that will be really interesting to see if that ends up changing and the comedian bumps up to number nine or something. It could. So the, the next thing that we'll end up covering is Jordan Peele's intro as the narrator. For this specific episode, it goes something like this. Hit me. Meet Sergeant Yuka Mongoyak, a woman with a knack for detecting the most subtle of mistruths. On this night, a night of the most powerful of myths, that skill will be tested like never before. She's about to learn that the truth can take many different forms depending on how you look at it. Because tonight, Sergeant Yuka's vantage point is at the very heart of the Twilight Zone. What do you think about that? I think Peel's spouting some gibberish right there. <laughs> it that seems one's like, almost too convoluted, convoluted where I'm like, what? And it's kind of repeating itself a little bit. And you're also asking yourself, all right, so we've got myths and mistruths. What's going on there? I mean, mistruths, but the whole myth thing. Well, they play a lot on um, Yuka's brother downplaying what Christmas is because sure. he doesn't believe in that. So that's kind of the start of that. The A Night of Myth. So you feel like this intro by the narrator was going down a little bit from last week's episode of Replay, yeah, which was little, very strong. It feels too confusing. It feels like Cormac McCarthy wrote it, and I'm trying, <laughs> I have to reread it 17 times to grasp what he's saying, and that can be good and bad. Did you like the way that he appeared on screen this time? Sitting down as the camera panned from, we see Steven in the jail cell. And the camera pans to the right, and we see Jordan Peele's just sitting down with the present on his lap. Just okay. I thought it was just okay, too. A little let down by it. I, I, I would say that I thought it was okay. Not blown away, but I would say in terms of what we just got with replay, it went down a little bit. So let's dive into things you liked 
in three things or less. And we will start at number three and work our way up this list to the thing we like the most. My number three is two very good performances from handsome Greg Kinnear, very good, mm-hmm. and Stephen Yun. Uh, I haven't seen Kinnear in a while, and it's very. It was so nice to have him back. He's he's as handsome as ever, as I've said. He's delightful. He's as talented as ever too. Mm-hmm. I thought he was great. Yun, great too. He's captivating and menacing. And we have that Glenn Morgan touch. He's silly a little bit in this, and you kind of, you can tell he's uh, pulling the strings a little bit. But he kind of freaked me out. Oh. So he was he was all sorts of stuff where I was wondering what he was up to. Okay. What is this guy all about? Okay. Um, number two, big fan of Glenn Morgan, as I've said before. This is a good mixture of X Files and the Twilight Zone, and I think the final few minutes of this are very X Filesish. Uh, that show. Never shied away from making aliens very scary and very comedic. And this episode literally ends with an alien eating pie. Mm-hmm. That's the most X-Files thing you could ever do. Not knowing the X-Files, that seemed like a nod, a clear nod to the X-Files. An alien <laughs> pulling a fork out of its mouth, licking its lips, enjoying <laughs> pie with a, with a human being. It's so good. Uh, and then my favorite thing about this episode, I love a good deep dive into madness. And having watched four of these episodes so far, we're noticing a trend. And these episodes are all paying homage to sterling stories that mm-hmm. came before it. And with The Traveler, I, I got the impression they were paying tribute to the monsters are due on Maple Oh, Street. 100% which I had no idea, had no expectations that was going to happen, which is basically what happens when something, or in this case someone, disrupts a normal routine of a community. And in both that episode and this one, that disruption literally tears them apart. And I think Morgan takes that idea a little further. It's current with the fake news element. I really like that as well. And the sneak attack that they ended up using to fit that homage in is... Wonderful. Nothing nope. short of it. You you have any expectations this was going to be that? No, not at I all. I didn't either. I was expecting this to be like a completely original, which it is, story, but the way that it was told and the way that it just tipped the hat to that original uh, episode was, I loved it, hands down. But I will say that that kind of fits into my list a little bit. I, I kind of tap dance around that. My number three is the foreshadowing told on the posters hanging on the wall. I was watching this closely and I could not figure out who was on there. So we have various, you see like missing people, but... A lot uh, of missing people for a tiny community in Alaska. But I love these little signs that are posted and it progresses to something that is being told either communicated through dialogue or it's just being represented through actions. So one of the first signs I originally see is love thy neighbor. And it's just a little Mm -hmm. poster in the background. Then another one says, remember, you are not alone. And then there is a mental health awareness flyer. And that's (laughs) where Greg Kinnear says something along the lines of, I think he's gone mental. Yeah. 
So I love this progression and it's told and it's almost the subliminal messaging that is constantly driven home. And we also get the little alien bobblehead or ornament. We saw that. That's pretty early on in the episode. And I go, oh, is this going to be an alien thing? And then I initially, mm -hmm. I, I dismissed it because I'm like, Glenn Morgan did this. They, they're paying tribute to what he did with the X-Files and they're trying to throw you off. Yeah. And I, as soon as we saw that, I originally had the reverse feeling that now they won't do it. And then as it went on, I'm like, they're going to do it. They're doing this. So I love those foreshadowing, just the visual foreshadowing. The second thing, Nick, goes along with your favorite, is the ominously mysterious storyline for two-thirds of this story. And you can kind of read between the lines there on where I'm going with that. I'll get into that later. My favorite thing, hands down, Stephen Young. He's, he's really good. He's charming. He is creepy. He's funny. And he kind of embodies so much that I feel like it's timely and relevant in so many different ways in one character. And I love Greg. I also loved Marika, but Steven... I wasn't, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't huge on her. She didn't sell really? me. Yeah. She, how so? Some about her, she was the weak link for me. And I hate to say okay. that. But I was more captivated. And maybe it's just kind of the character she's given where she's not the fun character. Like Kinnear's able to chew on the scenery a little bit and Young has a lot of fun because of the character he's playing. All I can say is give Young more roles. I would love to see that. I think he is very talented after seeing this. I don't think he'll have any trouble. I hope not because I'd love to see him and a lot more. I want to see him as James Bond. <laughs> I'd love to see him uh, come back on The Walking Dead. I, I have nothing to say on that because I don't watch that <laughs> show anymore. But I, I do know he's passed on. So now let's move on to things that you disliked in Three Things or Less. I really only have two. Okay. One's a minor complaint, and it's this one that I saw Amarpour's name pop up. Got really excited. But I think of the four episodes, this is the least um, visually interesting. Mm. There are moments that it looks really good where we have these long tracking shots following Yuka down like the cell hallways and Kinnear wheeling Yun in to be pardoned. So there's great moments in it, but I think as a whole, it's not the best looking one, which is fine. It's just when the first three look so good, that's kind of a bummer. My biggest beef with this episode is once again, it's a story that falls into this current trend of remake reboots where mm. it's a new story for a new generation but we're basically remaking content from 40-some-odd years ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting four episodes, and I'm really longing for a story that has no connection to the past. And I, I kind of wonder if we're going to get that. That's my, big, that's my big issue with this, is I've seen it before. And maybe it's because time repeats itself. Sure. What Serling said 40 years ago is still happening today with our culture. But I think at some point we're going to have to start coming up with new stuff. Did that, you feel like, m kind of make you see this new series in a different light after that last episode that we got with Replay? I'm expecting every episode now to pay homage to something okay. before it. Yeah, but I was waiting for this to be the turning point. Actually, Replay to be the turning point where, all right, we have the, the serious 
nods but now we're going to tell the stories we want but i don't think that's going to be the the, that way for this first season you and i had guessed that this would be a mishmash of new and old and this is ending up being a mishmash of new and old but it's it's basically remaking stuff yeah so i have to say my thing that i disliked really boils down to one thing i have three things written down but i think i can fit all of those into one and it really is the ending, the reveal, the big reveal. I feel like this is the best way I can describe it is it's like a plane that's traveling and all the sides are being ripped off of the plane and it just kind of falls apart at the end. I think the idea of it being the big reveal of the aliens is interesting, but I liked the ominous tone that was being set by Yun and where the writers were going at the beginning of this. The, two, the first two thirds I absolutely loved. But the last third, it really just starts, it does not stick the landing and it really just falls apart. That's why I said near perfect episode because it was so good. Everything about this in the very beginning was great. But then once we hit that, once I had to boil it down to pretty much where people leave the station, that's when it starts to fall apart. And I think it started to run a little over its course like it started to overstay its welcome so to speak with the runtime a bit a little bit it's got for me the replay problem which is we have a great 48 minutes and then the final two minutes feels like a rush job yeah where we have the big reveal and then it's over mm-hmm. and this felt like I was, it just ended and i was like well that's weird so i i agree yeah i don't think it's sixth the landing but i don't think it's because of the ending i just think the pacing is somehow off it both feels like it's going on too long, yet it's way it, it wraps up way too quick. And that was very just, I don't know, I it didn't leave really a bad taste in my mouth, but it was just so disappointing because then we end up having, like you said, the reveal of the alien at the very end where Steven transforms into that being. And that humor really comes in full force at the end with... Basically, the brother, Jack, uh, which is the main character, Yuka's brother, he is more or less like pardoned, if you will, where he was released from his cell and the alien spared his life and they just sat down and started eating pie. He's the new ambassador. But if you think about it, the Maple Street episode, the power flips back on and we slowly pan out or zoom out and we meet the aliens and they go fly away. So it's it's also very, that's basically summed up in 45 seconds. Sure. So it's it's very similar to, you know, what they did before. That works better, I feel like. Yeah, it does. And the pacing, I think that that pacing worked a lot better, but it would have been so much cooler if we're left up like trying to determine, wait, what is Steven exactly? Like if he disappears, is he like this government agent, but maybe he's got special powers? Is he an alien? I don't know. I just feel like keeping that mystery open would be so much better as a viewer. Mm, that just... I, I like the alien part. Oh, so you like it to be basically I like concluded? Seeing him, yeah. Okay. I think the other way is too frustrating because he flip flops numerous times with who he says he is, and it's always the government being entity, and then we we know that that's just not true. I, I like having a conclusion with this one. Interesting. See, I would have been okay that basically guessing because you never knew and it's like yuka is trying to pinpoint well what's the lie here what's the truth 
What is he saying that I can trust and not trust? So that's basically all I have to say about disliking it. It's kind of, it, it sucked because I was so into this and I was eating it up. And then by the end, I wanted to spit it out. You were eating it up like a piece of pie. pumpkin pie. I can't believe that. So we got pie and replay, and then we got, and that was apple pie. We got pumpkin pie. I hope we get your blueberry pie in the next episode. I love that this was set in Christmas time, by the way. Actually, I do too. And that I always love that. The I, I really wish this was closer to Christmas time, but I'm going to well, go. We can watch it in six months. Done. I'm going to end up putting this on instead of Home Alone. So let's get into Peel's outro now that we have talked about the ending and how it was frustrating for for me. Did the ending frustrate you overall? Just because it was so rushed. Okay. So this is what the narrator had to say to close out this story. The most dangerous lies come in the form of beautifully wrapped gifts. On this evening, Sergeant Yuka discovered that there's no difference between myth and mistruth. She unwrapped her fateful present far too late on this dark and silent night in the Twilight Zone. Again, a bunch of crap nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what, what are you talking about? I mean, I'm guessing that it's the fact that so she unwrapped her fateful present way too far too late is the fact that she was trying to arrest her boss and that ended up backfiring and that the aliens took over because they led them to wouldn't they have found that shed anyways where they were were they taking over is that the end of this that's more or less really took that that they were gonna just take over that's that was my interpretation that they were taking over because they all were flying in yeah i mean that's the vagueness of it that i felt where i didn't know what they were doing other than um See, that's where Maple Street, I think, is successful because we know that they were just like, see how easy it is to mess just these to people up? Yeah. And in this one, we don't get that. Yeah. Well, now, one thing that Stephen Young said about this is he wouldn't refer to it as being Monsters Are Due. He would refer to the classic episode of To Serve Man. And I'm like, oh, that actually fits better, I think. I still think well, this that is... that one? So that... T- well, we'll get into that okay. later. Yeah. So that, I'm not sure if I've seen that. That's that's a tease ahead. Steven. Also starring Jaws from James Bond. Ooh. The actor who played... Right, that was his name, Jaws? Yeah. I thought okay. you were going to say that also starring Stephen Young. <laughs> he is actually a traveler, and he just travels through time and space. So An agro-traveler. Uh, did you I, like that? I want to be that. But I really wish, we were talking before we started recording, I wish it was A. Traveler for the title of this episode. I think in a lot of ways, CBS has no idea what they're doing. With, I, the, with the name changes on these episodes, they're flipping the order mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And um, I don't know, maybe they don't give a crap because it's streaming. <laughs> they're like, well, they won't care. Or maybe it's also due to the fact that they're saying, you know what, this is the Twilight Zone. We can just write it off and say, ah, it's the Twilight Zone. We're being meta. Agro Traveler. Agro Traveler. I'm going to do that. I've, I'm going to quit my job and do that. Now, what about YouTube moment? This is a moment that happened in this episode that years down the road, this will be remembered for. What's yours? Karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> the karaoke song. And then he's just like, can I finish my song? That was so good. I, I laughed. I laughed so hard at that moment. You know, there basically anytime Steven's on screen, 
I loved it. And it was really tough to pick out a YouTube moment because that was close for me, the beginning where we finally see him. Mine has to be antenna on the head where yeah, it's revealed, where they walk in and like, what was that? And they both, we have the sergeant and the captain freaking out and they draw their guns and they're trying to figure out what Steven really is at that point. Props to these two officers because gr- guns drawn on the stranger. He keeps reaching in his pockets, moving his hands, and they never once pull the trigger. No, never shot That's him. It's amazing. That's because they're not Officer Larsky from Ooh. Replay. All right. <laughs> Let's conclude a traveler with overall grade. What are you giving this? I'm going to give it a B plus. Okay, that's higher than me. Really? I'm t- I was tempted to go B plus, but the more I think about it, I'm like, I just have to go with a B. Huh. So it's not that much lower, but the reason I can't give it a B plus is the ending. I was going to go a flat A, and then once the train starts to go off the rails a little bit, I'm like, nah, I just, but it's got high re- rewatchability for me. Yeah, I would, I I would go- say so too. May, and honestly, maybe the highest of all of these episodes. I'm not going to go that far. Really? No. Oh, so you'd watch Nightmare over this one? Like that has... We'll find higher. out when we uh, rank the episodes. Ooh. Let's now rank... You want to do it right now? Yeah, why not? Let's rank the new Twilight Zone episodes. Number four, The Comedian. I'm no- not surprised. Number three, this might surprise you, Replay. Okay. No, I, I was I was expecting that. Number two, A Traveler. Okay. And number one still remains Nightmare at 30,000 feet, starring Ben Wyatt, a.k.a. Adam Scott. A. Dot Scott. So, rewatchability in that case for Nightmare, you just think overall it has, that. that's one of the reasons why you're sticking that in number one? Yeah, I think there's a lot of fun Easter eggs in that, and... Scott rules in it, and it's a brisk 37 minutes. Love it. Okay, so my fourth pick and your fourth is the same, The Comedian. That's, I mean, I'm I'm wondering at any point, is The Comedian going to rise? I think so. I and really do. I actually do. think it might. Yeah, I think there's one episode coming up. It's going to come out of nowhere. It's going to be a stinker. I'm not sure which well, one. Well, I hope not. I hope not either, but I just have a scary feeling that's going to happen so that's my number four this is weird my number three is nightmare Hmm. my number two a dot traveler and my number one wow really is replay there's something about replay that as soon as i finished watching it i thought man this is just there are so many vintage, as we said on that episode, a vintage Twilight Zone episode, but it felt new. It felt like it said something that these, the other three episodes couldn't say that we didn't get yet. So that's why I had to rank it that way. But rewatchability, I think, is higher for A Traveler and Nightmare. They're that, just, that has a big factor in how I rank for, for but, me. There's something about replay, though. I just can't. I can't get over it in a good way. You just love when they eat pie. Yeah, I, and I just want to see the guy from True Detective as Officer Larsky. So, we ranked the Twilight Zone episodes 
You want to now talk about some of the Easter eggs in this episode? There are numerous ones. The big one that I saw were I'm on the my main thing at this point is watching these. 1015. Where's 1015? <laughs> Did yep. you see where 1015 was on this one? The access code. The access code to the jail cells. She entered the code and I go, that's got to be 1015. Did a little rewind and watched it and was very happy with myself. <laughs> and, and then we see the uh, nightmare gremlin. We see, what else do we see? We see um, the doll, mm-hmm. a doll. And then I, on the wrap, I don't know if this is one, but on the wrapping paper, there's like a dummy. Yep. Is that one? Yep. Um, and that's from the dummy. Oh, it's literally just the dummy. Yeah, just literally named and the dummy. I think that's it. I'm sure there's some names sprinkled in there, but those, the 1015 one is, is what I look for most. So um, Winking Doll or Talkie Tina, Tina, that's the doll. Yeah. Yep. And that's from the episode Living Doll. And here was an interesting thing. This was this is a little deeper. So there's a character's name in this by the name of Ida Lupino, named after an actress and director who starred in the 16 millimeter or the 16 millimeter shrine, and she also directed the masks. Believe it or not, she was the only woman to direct an original series episode. That would have been a big deal. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a big deal today. Yeah. It's 2019. I really like that. That was a nice little callback. Did did a little digging, and that was not just something that you could see on the surface. Do those Easter eggs throw you? Do you like that, or are they getting annoying? No, I, I quite enjoy it. I really like looking for 1015. So, as you said, we've got 1015, uh, the, uh, that as a tie to another Twilight Zone, and the Gremlin. Those are the only two that I could spot out that are tying... The, all the episodes. I in. was looking on the missing posters, thinking we would see somebody like, like maybe, uh, yeah, him or his nephew or something. But it's Alaska, so there's really no reason to have those people. A small town, yeah. Um, but and I didn't see really any foreshadowing for what the next episode would be. Yeah, I that did I not know either. of, but we'll find out. And here is actually one Easter egg that I found to be really interesting. And not related to any of the Twilight Zones, but you mentioned spreading of the fake news earlier, quote-unquote fake news, that this addresses as a story. So on the traveler's driver's license, it reads, Hacker Way, Menlo Park, California. That is the headquarters for Facebook. So perhaps a pointed jab at the giant of Facebook. Yeah, and. That that was really interesting because I did not know that until doing a little research. But man, that's like bold to just more or less call them out. Well, there's going to be some sort of uh, war that's going to break out between Zuckerberg, the Zuck, and Peel, and Peel, and Glenn Morgan because he wrote this. I, Who's who do you think is responsible for the Easter eggs? Because Morgan's not going to sit and do that. I you wonder, have some like crew member that's like, how do we sprinkle in like production design? Maybe I bet it's just a little intern who comes in and they're just saying, "All right, we're going to give you homework. You have to go through years of footage and all these episodes. You got to find the best. If not, we're getting another intern, and that's their twentieth intern by that time. <laughs> That'd be a fun job." Or I hope it's Key, and Key's just like, I'm doing this for fun. He just never sleeps. (laughs) He just keeps watching Twilight Zone episodes. So speaking of Twilight Zone episodes, 
here are three that I picked out that it resembles. The obvious one, Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, that was released on March 4th, 1960. The synopsis for that, on a peaceful suburb street, strange occurrences and mysterious people stoke the residents' paranoia to a disastrous intensity. Good episode. Great episode. One of the one of the best. The other one, the other episode, Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up, released on May 26, 1961. That's where police must figure out if a dinner patron is actually a Martian invader. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So that is a little mishmash. The other one, this is To Serve Man, what I brought up earlier in the podcast, released on March 2nd, 1962. This is a little longer synopsis. It's an alien race that comes to Earth promising peace and sharing technology, but a linguistic and his team set out to translate the real meaning behind the alien's language and true meaning of visiting Earth. So it's basically telling the story of Arrival. Hmm. With, oh, I thought you meant the arrival with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> so, and that was inspired also by Twilight Zone. So that's going to do it for this episode. On the next Twilight Zone episode, we will cover the Wonderkind. Or you were saying Wonderkind? I don't know how to say that. That's I how, how I thought yeah. of it. But this one looks fantastic. One big reason? Jacob Tremblay. No, John Cho. And I like Tremblay's in this, so he is. Yeah, I love it. You know, the this is when um, a little boy, Jacob Tremblay. How how old is this child? I think like two. No, he's like no, he's eight. like twelve. Or okay. I would assume. Let's say he's about ten. He becomes president of the United States. Can't wait. Which some people could say is I don't know a metaphor for today with President Donald Trump that he is a big <laughs> child in the White House. That's what people say. I don't know. I'm not a big, you know, really into politics or whatever. But in this preview, they show him like kicking and throwing things. (laughs) And I have a feeling this is going to be a good one. And I love John Cho. He's an absolute delight. delight. Let's do some bold predictions on this next episode. Yeah, I'm right. Anything wild? I think at one point, Jacob will say fake news. I expect him to grab people in unexpected places. You really think so? Yes. And I also... I'm writing these down. Old predictions. <laughs> uh, he's going to say fake news at least once. He will say fake news. I also think... the There's another prediction that I have in which he is going to throw a tantrum and destroy an office, and that will end up getting him elected. I think he's going to do more than destroy an office. I think he's going to start a war with a country. I like that. He's going to lead us into a nuclear meltdown. I like it. That's that's a big bull. That actually, I really like that. And then I think he's also going to fire most of his staff because John in the He'll cycle through that and the in the and the preview, John's like kind of nervous for his job. So we have he will say fake news at least once. I'm going to say this is my other one. Uh, Jacob will say the effort at least once. <laughs> Do you want to include he will touch a woman inappropriately? I don't think and he a man. would do that. He will touch someone inappropriately. Yes. I think it'll be both a man and a woman. It's my guess. So here we are. Uh, he, as in Jacob, will say fake news at least once. He will lead America to nuclear <gasps> destruction. Woo! Jacob will say the F word at least once, and he will touch someone inappropriately. 
those are our big, bold predictions for the next episode. I also hope that there is at least one White Castle appearance in this. We'll get uh, a thousand points for everyone we get right. There's also something else that we would like to do for teasing ahead. Our next big quality check episode outside the Twilight Zone is going to be Avengers Endgame. Will it? We do a crossover. What? We're doing a crossover? This is apparently the big thing today. Like, it's a modern day crossover, just like how they're crossing over all these MCU movies. Woo! We're crossing over with Spring Food Mo Podcast. What do they talk about? I think they talk about, like, just Springfield. I think they talk about sports. Okay, that makes sense with the name. Or Missouri, do you think it's just like all... Montana. Oh, that's right. That's what MO stands for. I need always get my states mixed up. So we're going to be doing that as our next episode. That's going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget, we've got a contest going on. You can follow us on Twitter where... Once on, we get guys, 200, just help us out. Just to, that's all. We just need 200. We're followers. legitimately on the verge of cancellation. Just help us out. We if if we don't get 200, we will get canceled. So that's actually the reason why we're doing this contest. So it's it's a little bit like we're looking for a pardon. That's it. That's all we want. And the other thing is we got to pay. It's basically paying you to pardon us. So for that, we will draw. A name out of a hat, most likely worn by Stephen Young, hopefully. And we're going to find out who gets a Fandango gift card once we reach those 200 followers. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to us. That way you know when a new episode of Quality Check goes into your podcast player. You can also follow us on Instagram at Quality Check Podcast. We're on Twitter at Quality Check Pod. And you can email us at QualityCheckPodcast at gmail.com. Hey, I just checked. Wunderkind. Wunderkind. Yes, Daniel and Drew. That is in fact how you say Wunderkind. When you look up what that means in the dictionary, it reads, quote, a person who achieves great success when relatively young. End quote. As for you listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Quality Check. We hope you join us next week when our intrepid hosts take another journey into the Twilight Zone. And then in two weeks, it's Avengers time. I survived the Thanos snap. If you're listening to this podcast, then you survived it too so congratulations. Man. Just think. Endgame is the 22nd movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What a journey it's been. I really hope Steve Rogers doesn't die but it's not looking good. If Steve dies, I don't know if I'll be able to move on without having serious emotional damage. It hurts to lose friends. Oh well. That's life. Thanks for listening to my thoughts. Sometimes it feels like there is no one the listening. This somehow reaffirms that yes, my life is not meaningless and I am here for a reason. Life is strange. Time to say goodbye for real. Until next time. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum.